This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 45, In the Trenches of New Motherhood, with Aubrey and Marin of The Mamahood. Welcome back. You guys, we are really in the full swing of summer, and I got to tell you, in Arizona, it's so hot, I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm melting. I walk outside <laughs> and I'm drenched head to toe in sweat. Uh, I'm pretty sure I don't smell good. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> okay. And seriously, I've been using swimming in the pool as a substitute for bathing my children daily. I'm just going to say that's it. That's fine. I mean, that's completely acceptable. Basically, if you go in the pool, you're disinfected too. I agree. Win, win. I totally agree. What's not so fun is when you legitimately need a shower because you're doing projects that involve the outdoors. Oh, yeah. Would you like to know my latest? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. All right. Look at these pictures. I get to look now? Yeah. Okay. Look at the pictures. Okay, she sent Becky, me pictures. Yeah. Becky hasn't seen these yet. Oh, and I want you to tell me God. what your impression is of what I've just done this evening before we recorded. Do you understand what that is? You, pe- I understand what it is. Okay, people listening can't see the pictures. What are you looking at? Tell me. This is Rebecca's, <laughs> oh, I won't say hoard. Uh, it's a highly organized. It's not a hoard. Okay, fine, maybe. There are so many scrapbooks I'm looking at here. <laughs> Where are they? They are in your car. Yes, that is correct. Like you're a teenage boy driving to college <laughs> and has not one inch of room to see out your rearview mirror. Okay, off the top of your head, how wow. many scrapbooks do you think are in my car at this very moment? Take a guess. 50. That would be incorrect. 100? So we're going to go smack dab in the middle. I have 75 scrapbooks that are in my car at this moment. She, guys, she looks like she's going to barf. I because don't know what's I, happening. Listen, my sweet listener, <laughs> 75 scrapbooks. But that's not all of them. Okay, but that's... No, I know. Beck, it's too know. many. No, back... This is another episode. That's why I wanted to show you. I just don't want anyone to think that this that is that is what attainable? they should be achieving. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I totally agree with you, and I wanted to just you know enjoy wow. the shock factor of you seeing wow. these pictures because it is my reality right now. We just moved into the new house. Yeah, the transferring of the scrapbooks we had to wait on because mm-hmm. we have to build the cubes first, and we had that time right. So tonight we're building the cubes. <gasps> How and exciting! Be, oh, it's very exciting. But um, no, you should not be like, the goal is not to make 75 scrapbooks. And that's, that is really, truly not all of my scrapbooks. Those are just the full size ones. I know, I know Becky, she's giving me looks, you guys. You know what? She's giving me looks. I'm glad you keep them super organized. They are very organized. That's all the good I have to say okay. about <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. So here's what I'm going to say about that. And the reason why I brought that up is I really feel in my heart of hearts that in the very near future... There's going to be an episode that we're going to record related to memory keeping documenting that has to do with people like me who for many years have been scrapbooking and they have a ton of scrapbooks and oh my goodness, what are we doing with them? Mm -hmm. Isn't that a good topic? Or maybe also in addition, if you have like say bins and bins of specialized Mm. stickers Mm -hmm. or sparkle paint or printed paper in excess mm-hmm. also what are we doing with that i just thought of the title for this future episode i think it should be called is too much too much too much when too much when too is much is too, too much, much. 
We're making it happen. And this we'll is talk happen. about my Italian soda consumption also. as well. <laughs> you guys have to know that we did not plan this conversation. I really wanted to surprise Becky with these pictures that and was, see what her reaction was. That made was. my day, quite honestly. Well, I feel really good about this future episode. When I do too. too much is too much. Mm-hmm. Or when is too much too much. Okay. I was just going to do intro banter about the pap smear I had this morning, but this was much better. <laughs> You're welcome. Much Dear better. listener, you are welcome. <laughs> okay. Before we get into this conversation, we're going to be sharing with you with Aubrey and Marin of The Mama Hood, which is, by the way, so good. Um, we want to share a quick review with you, one that was left on iTunes, and then um, tell you a little bit about The Mama Hood before we go there. Okay, so this one's from Papa JJJ. That sounds like a Papa guy. Papa J. But I don't know. In my mind, he's a guy. I like it. He's really cool, too. Oh, yeah. Also attractive. Listen. Suave. Duh. Handles his business. If he's listening to the podcast, I'm going to agree with all of that. This is what Papa JJJ says. Female, male, we don't know. You know when you sit down with a friend and have a true heart-to-heart chat? This is what the Cultivate a Good Life podcast feels like. Every period. Single period episode. I love the honesty and transparency of Becky Higgins and Becky Proudfit. They are See, down they to- like to hear about my pap smears. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. They are down to earth and real every step of the way. This podcast will uplift you and help you pinpoint ways to make changes in your life that will impact not only you, but everyone around you. Isn't that cool? That's that makes so cool. me feel really good. I know. I well, like it. The, the lasting impact that we hope that you have, like this Papa JJJ is saying, is awesome if it goes beyond you, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we cultivate the best life possible, how can it not have a positive impact on those around us and those that we love the most? Isn't that great? Well, and honestly, I mean, sometimes we pick topics kind of selfishly because it's things Becky and I are struggling with in our own lives and being able to really be intentional about a subject and prepare for and research and... Um, come up with things we think would be helpful totally blesses my life because I'm struggling with the same things everyone else is struggling with. And so it's been so fun to go on this journey of learning and cultivating together because that's what I feel like we're doing is we're all becoming better together. You're just not struggling with my struggle of what to do with 174 scrapbooks. No, but I do have (laughs) a very large amount of pictures, bunch of pictures, which is the same thing, just in a different form. It is. No, you're right. And that's why that future episode is going to happen. But for right now, we are going to turn our attention to Aubrey and Marin. This conversation that we've had with them recently is all about that unique phase of life where you really do feel like you're in the trenches of new motherhood. We have been there. Oh, for the love have I been there. I mean, I didn't know you when you had young kids, but that was... We didn't know each other. That was honestly, if we're just being honest, that was, I would say, my hardest Mm -hmm. point of motherhood where I... Yes, I'm busy now and it's different challenges, but the, the hard part about being a new mom was I felt totally inadequate. I felt like I sucked at it. And I felt really isolated. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you don't know what the Mama Hood is, it is a podcast. It's an online community um, where moms can come together and connect yeah. over their triumphs and struggles with motherhood, where they can plug in and just not feel as alone as they did before. And we really appreciated this conversation with them because our youngest kids are not babies anymore. And so the insight and wisdom that they have took us back. Like at least that's how I felt. It took me back to that season of life that is so precious and so hard Mm -hmm. and so challenging in different ways. And so we are going to share that with you, but first let's hear a word from this week's sponsor. 
Has anyone else noticed that kids' shoes at discount stores have become so stinking expensive? For sure. And I feel like most kids go through like 45 pairs of shoes in a year. I'm going to be honest. Mine go through 46. Seriously. And I feel like when I have realized that there are zero pairs of shoes in my kid's closet, it's of course the week where all the budget is gone. Mm -hmm. I have learned the value of a good pair of shoes that will last. I want something that looks great, is versatile, and can outlast my kids. Freshly Picked is a premium brand for useful items with something for the whole family. Their products are indestructible and they are an heirloom brand that will not only outlast your kids, but likely will outlast your grandkids too. Freshly Picked has come up with a genius program called The Fringe. It's basically a savings account for the day when you need new shoes now and you have no money. It's simple. You sign up for $10 a month and each month $10 is deposited into your Freshly Picked Fringe account. In addition, you get 20% off all your purchases, free shipping, and early access to the latest deals. Guys, the Fringe account is such a game changer. And there's more because Freshly Picked is so committed to helping mamas get the products they need for their families. They are offering you, our dear listener, your first month free. When you sign up using the code Becky, you will get $10 deposited completely for free. Do you guys understand? We're talking free money. So head to freshlypick.com, check out the amazing products, and get yourself signed up for the fringe. We are so excited today, you guys, because we have the cutest oh, guests cute. we may have ever had oh, yeah. in our lives. <laughs> Emma and Capri are here. <laughs> These sweet babies. We actually are here today. And also their moms. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. We're here today with the mamas of us. Emma and Capri, Marin and Aubrey from the Mamahood podcast. Hello. So welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming and also bringing your babies so we can <laughs> snuggle them. It's actually the most appropriate thing that could be happening for this episode that we have, because we're talking about things that are going to relate so deeply with so many of our, especially younger mothers. Um, But my goodness, what would this be without the babies in our presence, which you and I don't have anymore. So this is even better. I'm ready. (laughs) We love it so much. They keep stealing our babies. I'm ready for grandkids. But when I say that, like my oldest is 14, you guys, like this is not happening anytime soon. How about I'm grateful for friends with delicious babies that I can snuggle exactly how about that that's all you really need in life or you could get pregnant back uh I uh, I mean I was just I was offering I was offering a solution or a suggestion like I almost slapped you just food for thought food for thought okay so since that's not gonna happen we'll just like you know turn all of our attention over to those who are so beautifully raising these beautiful young babes um will you guys take a moment to introduce yourselves to our listeners and share where they can find you and learn more about what you have to offer and then we'll dive right into all the goodness that you have to share today sure i'm aubrey i'm marin We are over at the Mamahood Podcast, and it's basically a community of moms that are in the trenches. Yeah, we, our whole purpose in starting our podcast was to create a podcast for moms that are just in the thick of it with Mm -hmm. little babies, because that can sometimes be a really lonely place to be. So we wanted to create a place where they felt understood, where they felt like they belonged, and um, a podcast where they feel like they're just genuinely hanging out with other friends. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what it feels like. That's yeah. the response yeah. we've gotten. So we're we feel like we're 
we're achieving our goal a little you're bit. You're doing something right. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, Becky, I don't know about you, but there were not podcasts when I was having babies. Babies. There were a lot of there were not a lot of things like the squeezy baby food in those like Oh my god. Those are the How best. Did I miss that? That's like the I only had way. to There's I, no I, way. We lived in New York City and I had to literally bring like a jar of baby food. I'm acting like I would like 85 years the old glass jar the glass jar with like a spoon and like uh-huh. sit in the subway and like that would be a mess <laughs> it was the worst yeah i'm so jealous of you really young moms we didn't yeah. have like no, super cute of, backpack oh i know diaper I like bags all baby products are just kind of better so oh, yeah, good they're, kind of amazing. Yeah. they're yeah. kind of amazing we can even monitor our baby's heart rates while they sleep I this mean. is ridiculous see if i now now in this kind way. of leads us into our our topic at hand because if i had a baby heart monitor when my kids slept I would have never slept. Like that would have mm. kicked my anxiety up. Oh, really? That's so hard. high. Mm. Seriously? Okay. I can see that. I, listeners, I'm going to ask for like, put your non-judgment hat on and know that I am an exceptional mother, but <laughs> I can't. Would you not? She is. We took baby monitors out of our nurseries when our kids went went into their own rooms. Because and of your anxiety? This was on my husband's, like he insisted on this. Okay. Because anytime the baby would stir, I would like run in there and like uh-huh. oh, re-swaddle and re. And he's like, you have got to stop. Like if they fuss for a minute, like give them a minute to fuss. And he's so right. they were close enough where if they were, you know, something was really going on, obviously we would hear. But yeah, we totally took baby monitors out of our kids' rooms. I, I fully support Taylor's inspired thought on that. I do too because yeah. I slept much better. Right. After that. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Uh, yes. Well, you guys have seen so many um, things, right? And this work that you're doing, this really amazing work that you're doing. And I love so much. I know I represent Becky as well, that we appreciate that, that you are curating and cultivating this community of women who are in a unique phase of life and a very pivotal and important phase of life. And so what you're doing is bringing them together, helping to feel less alone and giving them tools and resources and connecting them with one another. What could be better for a young mother? Thank you so much. Really, really great. So first of all, kudos to you. Um, So in all of the things that you've seen, you've seen a lot of um, experiences and stories, I'm sure that have related to your own experiences and stories and some that haven't, but why don't you maybe give an overview of what you both have experienced with young motherhood that has connected you more to other people and has helped shed light on those things. Sure. Yeah. So in fact, this whole community kind of started because of what I went through as a young mom. Um, I had my baby and you know, you think you can get through the baby blues you I kind of assumed everybody had the baby blues um but I got through that two weeks and I still felt really low and so I think that point on I kind of I didn't know where to turn I didn't know where to what to even do I was constantly texting my sisters to be like okay is this normal spitting up like yeah. what am I doing and mm-hmm. he was pretty colicky and so it was kind of rough and and I was in a really low point just mentally and physically and everything and so I that's where kind of the mama hood got started was I created a Facebook group of just like my cousins and sisters and close friends oh cool of like 40 people and then it's grown to over 30,000 moms who are just supporting each other and you know helping each other through all of it because I mean if you go through postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or whatever you go through in motherhood even in your guys's stage there's something to be said about holding hands through it and helping each other through teenagers or toddlers or newborn babies because it was a really lonely time for me and it was 
it was hard to get through that. So mm-hmm. we actually have a group of friends, Becky and I, where our kids kind of became friends as we have teenagers and and we meet all the time. Well, when we can, really. It used to be all the time. Now it's not as much. But we but have a text regularly. thread, and we mm-hmm. literally call the text thread the village mm-hmm. because oh, it's all that. the moms of, like, our friends, our kids, you know, the, our friends' kids, all teenagers, and we shoot questions off on that text thread all the time. All like, the did time. you hear about this on this social media? Or what is this? Or what are you guys doing for this? Yeah. And it has been such a tool and such a gift because there's something about motherhood. It's the most beautiful wonderful experience with a lot of activity but within that activity can be a lot of isolation Mm -hmm. and overcoming that isolation um can be really key to you having the support you need to keep yourself healthy during this process that you're giving all you have to raising these human beings totally true yeah and having those relationships is just so crucial and um and it's happening more online these days because it can which is kind of amazing because you know a nursing mom sitting at home who is beholden to nap times and nurse and feedings and Mm -hmm. things like that can't exactly get out quite as easily the way that maybe you or i can in this stage of life and so because of technology and social media and the internet they are able to you guys are living proof of how that connection it can be a very real connection even if you don't know all of these people in real life you don't you know that doesn't have to be the only way that you can really feel connected and find great resources in your motherhood Mm -hmm. so going back to then um you were going to share so what what then happened you had uh was this your first baby or yeah so this is my very first baby and I mean, I can dive into the whole story if you want. Dive in. <laughs> this is why I, ha- I asked them to be on was because I actually um, met Aubrey at Alt Summit this past spring and was able to talk to her and really connect with her. And so I, I follow her on social media. And the way she shares on social media about her motherhood journey and particularly her motherhood journey with postpartum depression um, really just touched my heart because, uh, you know, we've talked before. I had postpartum anxiety. Um and and seeing someone open up, be so raw and vulnerable about what they went through and how um, they are moving forward in their life was just so profound. Because when I was going through that, I was telling Aubrey, I literally felt like I was losing my mind. Like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I not having the same experience that I thought I was going to have? I grew up, you guys probably didn't do this, you might. Do you remember on TLC, um, a baby story? Oh, gosh. I love that And a show. wedding story. Oh, wait, is like, it still around? I know, but when right? I was a little kid, I've always been yes. obsessed with babies. Oh. I would sit in front of the TV and watch babies be born. Yes. yes. That was my favorite thing. <laughs> Baby to do. story and wedding story. That. And so I had these like really idealistic views in my head of what marriage was and what it looked like and what mm-hmm. having a baby looked like. And I remember having my first baby like they and he he had some health problems. And so I remember him being born and he was born early and it was kind of a rush delivery. And then putting him kind of on my stomach and I just the thing that went through my head was like this is nothing like baby story because they <laughs> oh rushed gosh. him out and my husband was gone and yeah. I was in a room alone and I was like what just uh, this this is not supposed to be like what in the world is oh happening and so um isn't that interesting yeah you were so jaded by watching this show religiously <laughs> yeah. that you did you had an expectation I did of and what it right yeah of what I was supposed to feel or what I was supposed to have happen. And so, or what it might look like, what it might look like or sound like or whatever. And so I loved when you shared your postpartum journey, because I think so many people feel ashamed of the fact that they're like, 
wait, my, my experience doesn't look like what I thought mm-hmm. it should. So do share. Aubrey. Well, and nobody yeah. really talks about it. I think that's my thing is I'm like, okay, if I'm normal for thinking these things or if I'm, you know, like if, if it could help just one person who's in that, it's a dark space. It is not, it is not something that's super fun to talk about, but I feel like it needs to be talked about because it's, it's more common than we think. Right. But so with mine, um, I was just really dark for a couple weeks and I mean, Marion's heard this whole story, but I lost like 25 pounds in the two weeks after having a baby Wow! because I, food was my control factor. So I stopped eating and, um, I got really like weak and, and you guys, she's not a large person. She is a (laughs) tiny little mug. Aubrey's a pretty small, I mean like you're, I, I consider you small. She's like, think about, think about Tinkerbell and that's kind of like the visual (laughs) of Aubrey. She's like, have you ever been called Tinkerbell? No, but that's to Becky Proudfit. I relate, you know, I used to work for Disney Entertainment and so I I relate all things to Disney. Like that's just my, I actually auditioned to play Tinkerbell. Did you know that you bonded with Marin on this? No, Marin, we'll have to have a talk about this. I know. Yeah, I know we will. Okay, so Tinkerbell over here lost 25 pounds. <laughs> I mean, that's we're not making light of it, but really, yeah. like you're you're not a, you're small already, and you said that you were around 100 pounds. Like that's mm-hmm. so little, so 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 little. Yeah. So I I mean, it, and it was just right after having a baby too. Oh so it gosh. was like you're breastfeeding. Yeah. You're ha- yeah. yeah so wow. I'm trying to breastfeed, and I really believe there's some kind of connection with breastfeeding too, because I it didn't come natural for me. It was very hard, and I had all this mom guilt that I had to like do it and. I didn't want to quit and I was having mastitis every other week. And I mean, it was just a nightmare. Oh yeah. Mastitis so, alone is. I know. Oh, pure. oh, like you're making certain tingling. Yeah. Happen in my body <laughs> right now. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Like, that's the worst yeah. Ever. There's no, I mean, it's just worst it's ever. pure hell. It's yeah. just the, it's just the worst. Anyway. It's hard. Yeah. So I was going through all of that and I, I didn't get it because I was like queen babysitter growing up like I was I was the one that everyone loved like I was miss mom when I was a teen I was a better mom before I was a mom mom. yeah 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 and then I became a mom and I was like who can I I literally I remember thinking one time he was crying in the middle of the night and I thought who can I hand him off to because where's his mom like yeah I'm not this is not like I I felt so inadequate I just felt like who am I to be this kid's mom? Like this poor kid, he has to have me as a mom. You know, my tears are falling on his face when I'm feeding him. And, and I'm, it was just so dark and I didn't really realize it until I had a mom ask me how I was really doing. And that was kind of a turning point for me. I mean, I, I would hide the knives. I was having really suicidal thoughts. And I thought if I told my husband, he's going to think I'm absolutely crazy. He's going to pick up everything and leave. Like you just have irrational thoughts that seem so real, but they're not. And like my husband would never do that, you know, and I went to a family party and my cousin said, you know, how are you really doing? And I just was like, honestly, like I've had the weirdest thoughts. Like I kind of opened up to her and she's like, oh my gosh, I had the same thing. And she's like, you just need to go home, talk to Shay, like Mm -hmm. figure out, that's my husband and just figure out what can help you. And, um, there was one day where I, I, that night I ended up kind of opening up to him and I didn't really know what to do, but there was one day where he was at work and my baby was asleep in his crib and I had lost so much weight and I, my mother-in-law, I remember she used to watch my baby for me while I worked, but I would have like a carrot for lunch. That was it. And she just would look at me like, 
are you hungry? And I'd be like, I'm good. You know, you kind of like brush it off. And you, mm-hmm. that's the thing about postpartum depression is you can put on makeup and look like you're just fine. Mm-hmm. But then you go home and you're just in a really dark, dark space. And I, I believe that's true with anxiety too. I believe that's true with all like so many different maternal mental illnesses that we've talked a lot about on our podcast the past month or so. But I just think there's, there, it's just a thing that nobody, you can't see what people are thinking or how they're feeling. And that's kind of what I did. I can put on a happy face. I'm normally a happy person. Like, I'm not the type to have postpartum depression, you know? Yeah. And may I interject with a yes. um, um, an emphasis? I think something that would be a powerful takeaway that um, everyone should be feeling no matter which stage of life you're in is to be sure that you are that person to ask, how are you really doing when mm-hmm. you feel prompted to do so? I don't mean stage that and go around asking everybody, <laughs> looking deep how in How are you? Yeah, no, really, how are you? Like, don't do right. that. But like, yeah. we all feel those nudges in terms of our relationships and our connections. And that was your cousin. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Your cousin felt in that moment, or maybe ahead of time, it doesn't matter, but she felt to ask you, how are you really doing? I think mm-hmm. all of us here can speak to that experience that we've asked that or we've been asked that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think that light could be possibly shed in some scenarios that need to be if it weren't for the, the one person reaching out to the one person saying, right. how really, how are you? So do that, mm-hmm. right? Be that mm-hmm. person. That's all I wanted to I love that. emphasize. And I, I love too, your cousin for that. Yeah. Right? And so often we're like, oh, we're good. Like you're bouncing your baby. We're fine. You know, and then you mm-hmm. go home and you're like, I'm really not fine. And mm-hmm. I think allowing that on the other flip end, allowing that question to be honestly answered and honestly, you know, giving a true of how you really are feeling, not just sloughing it off because you don't know how to ask for help. And with a trusted person. Yeah. And she was a trusted person in your life. And so it was a safe place. Mm -hmm. And so good on her, but good on you that you were vulnerable and honest enough with yourself to go, I'm going to tell you how I really feel. Yeah. And that's what you did. Right. Well, and I think it's so important too, to realize that those feelings that you have, they're not you. Like it's not, that's not me to have suicidal thoughts. That's not me to think that I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's not you. And in fact, when we were, when I had stopped eating, I was so weak. I had like, eventually there was one day where I collapsed on the ground and I literally thought you could die from postpartum depression. Like it was, it was just so dark, you know, and I hate, it's hard to talk about because you just, it brings you back to that state of mind. But I just remember thinking like, this could be the end for me. And that day, I mean, my baby was asleep. My husband was gone. So again, that loneliness dives in and nobody knows you know you're home by yourself nobody knows what goes on and I was on the floor and I really I looked up and I saw a picture of Christ in my hallway and I just was like is this it like is this how I go you know is this is this what's meant for me (laughs) like yeah I just was supposed to give birth and then call it good like it I was it was so dark and um it was the same kind of time that I'd finally started opening up to my husband and to me, that is the number one thing to do is to find that one person. I think if you're in that dark place, that is the first thing you do is admit that you're there and then find someone you can tell. Because if you can voice out, if you can talk about it to somebody, I feel like it decreases the magnitude of it even just a little bit. And then they can help you to the next steps. That's a really good I point. I totally agree with that. We, we talked about that in the anxiety episode is when you – when you um, identify and verbalize what it is, it, it just has less power because it becomes an entity separate from yourself and it's not you. I think we get into these patterns and I can speak for myself when I kind of like 
thought I was going crazy and then realizing like, oh my gosh, I have anxiety. I was hesitant to verbalize it because I think I was afraid to be like that girl, like that girl with anxiety or like that mom that's struggling. And um, it's really, it's, it's interesting the role that labels play in our lives. And I love opening up this conversation because one of the things we've talked about so much is like taking those boxes away, taking those labels away. And the more we talk about it, the more that we're vulnerable and open and make those true connections based on our shared experiences that I truly feel like we are meant to share and connect about. Those labels have less power. Those labels go away. And 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 you maintain your identity of being Aubrey or being Marin or Becky um, through those experiences, right? You don't let the label overcome you isn't that interesting though that there's a distinction because we're talking about the significance and um, helpfulness of giving something a name labeling something identifying with it but also in that same breath we're saying but don't put yourself in that box don't label yourself as this is who i am because that's not who you are you can label the the thing Mm -hmm. whether it's a mental illness or an experience that you've had but it doesn't define who you are but i do think that we all see the value in giving that a name and understanding that's a thing and that's going back to your point like acknowledge that there's something you have a thing and then find that one trusted person and and start and open your mouth about it because do you find that there is danger in not talking about it Oh, do you yeah. feel like that there's risk in that? I believe so for Can sure. Can you speak to that? Because mm-hmm. I, I fear that we have someone listening who is really scared to share with someone. And what are the dangers in not? Well, and I'll say this too. I mean, especially if you're feeling suicidal or have any harmful thoughts, I have a code word, a code word with my husband and it's dark. So if I say, if I text him dark or if I say I'm really dark right now or if I, whatever it is, that's our code word for, I need help. Like I need right. something. And I ended up calling the nurse to kind of end that story. I called the nurse and I was bawling on the phone and she instantly, you know, like got me some medicine and I got, I figured out some natural ways to help myself too. I mean, there's so many different avenues for help. And in fact, I have postpartum anxiety right now and going to the doctor is like so hard for some, <laughs> for some reason. And you sit there with your baby. Sorry. You sit there with your baby. And, of course, there was, like, the student there and the nurse. Like, I'm in front of this whole audience. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry. But, like, I am terrified at night. Like, I have so Mm -hmm. much fear. And I can't get out of my head. Like, I'm just, like, so scared of the the next disease that's going to hit my family. Or, you know, I have so many, like, this anxiety thing that's been, it's different a little bit from depression. But... Going to the doctor feels so hard sometimes. And then after I left, I thought, I'm going to celebrate that I got brave enough to go. Yes. <laughs> totally. And he he begged me. He t- had me take a test. And you'll they'll have you take a depression or an anxiety test. But I scored like I failed, basically. <laughs> Meaning yeah. like they did like, on paper you mm-hmm. didn't have anxiety and depression? No, no on paper I did. did. Oh, yeah. like it failed, was like, meaning like yeah. you did Do you worry okay. this much? And I'm like. Check, 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 check. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he looked at me and I was like, I'll just like read a book that helps or I'll just, and he looked at me and he like begged his hands together and he just was like, please just get on some medication. There is no shame in it. There is no shame in getting help with that. You know, I get, I can help myself through meditation and and exercise and eating healthy. And I'm in a phase right now where I don't have time for all of that. 
so medicine is helping me you know there's yeah i just think there's no shame in asking for help even though it's so stinking hard it there's just no shame in it and has it helped you yeah like I'm, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. I know. It doesn't have to be the cure all and the one thing that's no, magically going to make your life a hundred percent better. Life sentence. Right. 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 It's just you know what can help you in that moment. And Becky, you've spoken to that before. Like there. Yeah, I have. Very- it's it's interesting you talk about your postpartum anxiety, and I also want to hear about Marin's um, experience with these. But my postpartum anxiety like really reared its ugly head after my third child. And it almost was like when she was like six months that it got really bad. And she has like just, she's just a tiny little thing. And so when she would get a runny nose, her throat would close. And so we had to go to the ER like four times in six weeks. So anytime like I would hear a noise in the middle of the night, my body would have that like fight or flight reaction. Mm -hmm. And I would literally like just shut down. I would yeah. totally shut down. So I did. I actually, um, when I went to my doctor, first of all, he said to me, if I had a nickel for every mom who comes in here, like needing help, mm-hmm. he's like, I would be a very rich man. Like you are not alone in this. Like, this isn't is, that crazy? Yeah. No one talks about it. No one talks about it. And I ended up, I did, um, I took anxiety medicine for about six months. And that for me was, I needed something right that day that was going to help to like curb, um, me going into panic attacks and I needed something to like stop the midnight panic attacks but also it gave me a chance to um to really like be in a headspace to look at like okay what can I do other ways like I've talked to Becky about this all the time my two big triggers with anxiety are if I'm sleep deprived and if I'm dehydrated those are the two, and it sounds funny, and that's what it is for me. So I know now. It's funny. It's just, it's what your triggers are. No, I, you know, I don't take anxiety medicine anymore, but I totally know. I have to get sleep, and I have to be hydrated in order to be healthy. Well, like, I just how many do. moms are getting, like, a full night's sleep? Or being hydrated. None. Yeah. Like, ever. Right. Right. Ever. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. So, Maren, what was your experience? Well, it's just interesting that you talk about um, labels, because I feel like that plays huge into all of the reasons why we don't talk about it. Um, and I've asked myself so many times, like, why aren't we talking about this? We, we, I mean, Obs and I are talking about it all the time with moms via DMs that are private, you know. But nobody's talking about it out loud. And I think for me, one of the biggest reasons that I didn't for a long time was I didn't want to be labeled yeah. as, not even not labeled as someone with depression. I didn't want to be labeled as dramatic and I'm doing air quotes you know because I do feel like we live in a society and we just have forever where women are often labeled as dramatic or you know that our emotions are just over the top that we can't control ourselves or whatever or if we prayed a little more if we worked a little harder that we would be able to like handle these things on our own right and we want to I feel like we want to take ourselves so far from that, like so far from being labeled as like overly dramatic or out of control or all these things that women are often labeled as that we try and be strong. And then that results in us questioning what we're going through, not opening up about it, not getting the help that we need. That's a very good point. Yeah, it is. That, that is actually a starking reality that I didn't even think about before that way. That's what it is. Because we are identified as that sometimes. And in fact, I was talking to mm-hmm. my, my dear friend Lydia about this yesterday, about how she has gone so far on the other extreme of the spectrum because in terms of like um, things that she wants to work on pers- in personal development, because she doesn't want to 
um, label herself as so many women do with like me time and it's about me and I'm fixing uh-huh. myself and she's so turned off by that that she's gone to the other extreme and she's not focusing really at yeah. all on herself and so right. it's to that point it's like we get so scared it's all fear-based yeah we get so scared about the labels and the stigmas and the boxes that we're being put into or that we think we're being put into that we then don't do anything about it right that's a really good point Mary. Right. and when I look back at like why I wasn't opening up to my husband about my postpartum depression. It really was that I didn't want, and he never would, but I didn't want him to label me as dramatic or out of control. Right. Like Ob said, think that he couldn't trust me to be home with the kids or that I wasn't strong enough to be, you know, this role that he'd expected of me to raise his kids. And, um, those labels are dangerous when we put them on ourselves. And like Aubrey, I didn't open up about my depression until a trusted friend who I hadn't seen in months who was performing at Jackson Hole and I went out to go and see her in her play saw me after and was like what is wrong with you like oh, really? I haven't seen you in years do you have postpartum depression and well it took wow. somebody outside of my sphere who I wasn't worried about labeling me as anything as being dramatic or anything like that to to see it to where I finally validated myself and was like, oh, if she can see it, then it must be true. And for me, it took that. But I want moms listening to this right now to not need, sorry, to not need another person outside of their sphere to tell them that they aren't being dramatic or to validate it for them. I want someone listening to this right now who feels dark, who feels alone, who feels lost to just hear my voice right now telling them that. You're not being dramatic. This is actually something that it's okay to not be strong right now. And it's okay to to acknowledge that you are going through something else. I appreciate that you're saying that um, mostly because I really feel, I think all four of us feel this right now is like that is exactly what somebody needs, needs to hear. Will you please add to that and then tell them the next thing? What is then now? What do they do? Like if if they can get to that point where they can be okay, understanding that for themselves and they don't need external validation, then what, what should they do? What is something that is actionable that they can um, help themselves to move forward and be okay? Um, You know, I, I have opened up about this with Obs a lot and said like, I feel so distant from that person. And the fact that I feel so distant from who I was back then speaks more to the fact that it wasn't me, that it was like a clinical problem. Because if it was just me or whatever and not, you know, a clinical issue, then I think I wouldn't feel so distant from that time because I did overcome it. And I I wrote this journal entry back then that I just, um, when I read it, I can understand a little bit more like what I needed because... um, just some little excerpts from it that I think about is it's not just a bad day. It's not just a hard time. It's not something often we think we can get things to go away with just a bowl of ice cream or just, you know, a good nap or um, all of these things. But it's not something like that. It needs something more. And I think that we need real deep help, whether that be from somebody from somebody who knows more than we do. Right. <laughs> I, point. I yep. highly suggest talking to somebody, whether or not you go on medication. I have um, thyroid problems to where I can't go on just any type of hormonal medication. But there are other types of professional help, too. Just because you aren't comfortable trying medication, which I would highly suggest trying, 
if you aren't comfortable with that, there's other professional help. There are therapists and counselors. And for me, that's what helped me was a good therapist and a good counselor who knew how to get me out of that headspace and who knew who knew how to get me to find what I needed. Um, yeah. I was going to say that's perfect advice. I think that that might be something that would be specific and tangible enough and very applicable to probably many people listening. Um, I can't gloss over the fact that you mentioned an excerpt from your journal. Did you actually have something that you wanted to share from that? Or is that if you want you... me to, well, no, that's you're talking to, to you. the documenter yeah, of so all good. the I mean, documenters. He Let's well, hear it. Here's the thing. And, and Becky's right. Like, that's why I can't let it pass because I, we, I think we all have experience with this, but just speaking from my own experience, I have learned the power in documenting, uh, Becky, obviously mm-hmm. she and I yes. talk about this together there is very real power in documenting. And for you, that looks like it looks like a journal. Maybe you kept on your phone because it looks like you pulled. I'm a writer. So it was yeah. a blog. Yeah. It was a okay. blog essay. Actually. So there you go. And so and, and the fact that you are however many years later sharing this and pulling from it. And, and I don't even mean publicly. I mean, like you're pulling from this experience yeah. because it's in writing. Mm-hmm. And right. so there's power in that. So sure. Yeah. If you want to share something. I'm happy to yeah. share a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, so this I did write, I, I specifically remember the day I wrote it was because <laughs> I was trying to explain to my husband how I felt. Mm. And I've been a writer my entire life since I was a little kid. And I've always been able to express myself better through writing than through words. And um, so I actually wrote this in an attempt to figure out what to say to my husband about what I was experiencing. And then it turned into a blog essay that ended up being really helpful for me and some other people and so cool um i'll just read the start of it and marin sorry and it's going to serve and be helpful to people um many 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 years from now that you can't even imagine that's the other thing about putting things Mm -hmm. in writing is that it can benefit and serve those who are to come and who we haven't even met yet so Yeah. yeah and i mean i love I mean, we could talk about documentation and writing oh, all day yeah. long. I love it so much. <laughs> I journal like crazy because I'm I'm holding my daughter right now. And mm-hmm. she's going to grow up and she's going to be a woman and a mom. And um, she may be able to gain strength from things that I wrote. And I can gain strength from things that my mom wrote. And how beautiful is that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Thanks for sharing that testimony that we have. <laughs> yes, also, we share I agree. that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's a yeah. shared, that's a shared testimony. I don't know how else to say it because that's what it is. It yeah. is. Okay. It's a testimony. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> um, it says not just a hard time, not just a bad day, not something that goes away with a good cry or a bowl of ice cream, not something that you can just pick yourself up and walk away from feeling like a small piece of matter occupying space in the world, wishing your husband had a better wife, longing for an appetite, always seeking another distraction, constant fear and worry that something bad will happen to your child, hoping you'll wake up from this dream to feeling normal again, loneliness, even when there are people around, the ability to put on a happy face with a group of people but crying later because you feel like none of them would understand if you told them. Someone might say, let me know if I can help. And on the inside, you're pleading, but don't know what you need. So you just sit there and say nothing. You feel crazy. You cry without a purpose. Spiraling thoughts, clinging to good moments because you know that they will pass quickly. Feeling that the only person you're connected to in the whole world is your baby. 
that's just the start of it. I And when I read it, I mean, it gives me all sorts of feelings because I don't actually remember this person hmm. because it was, you know, three years ago. Um, and I don't feel like I can relate to those feelings at all as I read it. But I feel like that's an important thing to acknowledge because other people also may not be able to relate to what you're feeling. Um, but that doesn't mean that what you're going through is not real. One of the reasons I really wanted to have this conversation on the podcast, as Becky was saying, is, of course, if there are any young moms out there who are going through this or who are going through something and they don't even know what it is, and this sheds some light on onto some help that they can that they can receive, that's amazing, right? But I also feel like there is this older generation, um, because even in the time when I was a mom, um, I feel like things in motherhood have shifted so much. And so you're still a mom. Well, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> when I was having babies, when I was a mom, yeah, when I was having babies, I feel yeah. like stuff has changed so much. And so the generation older than us, I don't think this was even like a thing. And so I wonder how many listeners out there right now are listening who maybe past the years where they're, they're having kids or or having young kids at home thinking like, oh my gosh, that's what it was mm. when really they just knew like that was not a great time of their life. Like having mm-hmm. young kids and, and having babies was hard. And then if it is, if that is somebody listening, then then what? Like, do, are you saying that you feel that there's power and and being able to retrospectively look back and go, yes. okay. I am so glad that, that I knew I had postpartum anxiety and because when I look, you know, I have two daughters. When they're having babies, I'm going to be very aware of like looking for signs or right. little things or little cries for yes. help and validating them and saying, honey, I'm so sorry. That's awful. And and jumping into help before I'm asked, but then also saying, you're not alone. And I went through this and let me tell you about my experience. Yes. And it's much more powerful to have someone tell you about an experience and say, I had postpartum depression or I had postpartum anxiety and I know what it's like rather than to just be like, yeah, I guess it was hard. It was hard having kids. Like there is so much connection. Right. And that I think is where the healing happens is, you know, um, one time when I, I was starting therapy and I remember like having kind of a low and then deciding like, okay, I'm going to go seek out a therapist And just the decision to, like, Mm. when I made the decision and, like, made the appointment, like, I hadn't even gone yet. But I, like, recognized there was a problem and and did something that was really scary to me, which was, like, employing a therapist. Just that action alone was, like, extremely healing and extremely cathartic. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't even really done anything yet, you know, done any of the work. It just but that's, so a, I, 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 that's a hard step to do. It is, you know? yeah, very hard. And, and I, I think, feel like finding a therapist. Sorry, no finding problem. a therapist is even harder than finding a doctor. It is oh, yeah. so hard to find a good therapist, mm-hmm. and it will almost like when I was on that path to finding one, it almost got to the point where it was so complicated to find one that yeah. matched with my insurance that could help yes. my needs specifically that I connected with that I almost gave up. Yeah, but you have to not give up because you, when you find a good one. It's yeah, amazing. the one that you connect with, the one, right. the one that that works for you. Did you have a thought back? I could you know, see the wheels I, turning well, in your head. Well, only because um, this isn't really the specific topic that we're talking about, but I do want to relate to it for a moment because we are going to have some people who are saying, "Wait, am I supposed to have postpartum depression or anxiety?" And I'm just, I want to represent the those of you who that doesn't have to be part of your story. I really don't recall having the, those pockets of darkness postpartum. My mm-hmm. my my story is different, right? right. And well, your so, pockets of darkness came before. 
right? Like your, your struggle before baby. Yeah. Well, you know, like your infertility (laughs) struggle, but those pockets of darkness. And I, and I think the broader message is, is women, when you are having babies or really even, you know, if you're adopting or however your family comes to be, um, women sacrifice their emotions, their time, their bodies. I think we don't give enough, like, importance or emphasis on the fact that like you just grew a human being like the emotional the hormonal all of those things like that is a really significant thing you know I just went through cancer last year and people all the time are like oh you you had cancer like give yourself time to heal no one ever said that to me after I had a baby like give yourself a year to like heal like it's gonna take a long time to really become whole you know physically again no one ever said that to me my mom is the queen of that and I love it she always comes over and says you had a baby this year that's what you did this year mm-hmm. if you ever feel like you're not doing enough you had a baby this year for all of 2019 yeah. you're off the hook that's like, right. you had a baby dude it <laughs> was the only thing that you hear in this entire episode yes. it's that like if you are a, a, a stitch a, that on a pillow yeah. for a new mom for heaven's sake <laughs> we need that's you oh know that's gosh. a great product you guys need to make a pillow that there said you, you had a baby that's you are this year <laughs> that's you had a baby this year life. check check but yes. i do love what becky said too though because like for us i haven't had cancer mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i think of you like you know i think there's still connection among that. So whether you've had infertility or you've had depression or not, I think all of our hearts are so different, but mm-hmm. we can still connect together because it's all hard. Absolutely. The connections and the vulnerability, the connections and yeah. being open and honest and real and letting people see mm-hmm. and interact with you in a way that's And being authentic. aware of what to say. So like with infertility, a lot of people don't know what to say to moms who go through that or with cancer, you know, where people kind of tiptoe over that or with postpartum, you know, I think, having that on both sides is so helpful so that we can help each other okay that's how I want to wrap this up then is I would like for each of you totally gonna put you on the spot girls I'm so good at doing this (laughs) I really am if you what what is something as a mom who has had postpartum anxiety postpartum depression what is something or or something that you can give us as a tool as an actual thing to say to someone who may be suffering with that? Like, what is something or you can who, do or say or to who help? Or you might be thinking, right? Like, so, it could be someone that you don't even know, but maybe you are wondering, maybe she yes. does. Is that what you're saying? Like, like, people used to ask me with cancer okay. all the time, like, what do I do for someone with cancer? Like, I don't even know, like, what to do. So what is something, is there something that was particularly helpful um, when you were going through that? Either just connection or people helping you or what was what was something someone else can do that was really helpful? I would say um, it's not necessarily asking what can I do or anything like that. It's being very, because at least for me, especially when I'm down, right. I push myself down even further. And even if someone says, can I help you? What do you need? I'm not going to ask. You're not going to be like, actually, right. my toilets need to be clean. My Here's laundry needs <laughs> to be folded because biggest, I am not functioning. Yeah. The biggest thing I can say that is helpful is just do it Mm -hmm. or just say that you're going to just say I'm going to take your kids I want to take them 
tell me what day, this day, this day, or this day, what day can I take your kids? Mm -hmm. I want to come and bring you dinner. Tell me, what day between these days can I bring you dinner? Yeah. Just be so specific about right. what you're going to do, how you're going to help them. And just instead of, can I bring you dinner? Right. Like, They're going to say no. Don't, it's never work? a yes right. or no question. It's yeah. a, what time, what day can I come and do this for you? Or even, I'm going to come. I've texted people and been like, hey, I know you're sick. We have a friend, Heidi, mm-hmm. who I do this too often because she will never be like, yeah, thank you. I really need dinner. I'm like, I'm bringing dinner tonight. You can't say no. You can throw it out when I get there, but it's coming at five. Love yep. you. Yeah. Yep. Like that's, that's so how it has to happen. That's how right? you serve. And it's yeah. a beautiful way to serve. So to your point, Marin, when you're bringing that up, I, I feel, and, and a lot of people can connect to this in different experiences that they've had. Most of us as human beings can attest to the difference in somebody saying, well, is there anything I can do for you? Which by the way, places a big burden on the person yes. being asked, like yeah. a really big burden. Like mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be the one that now needs to think of the way that you are trying to serve me when really like I'm, <laughs> so you know, right. I, I don't mean? know. Like, I need everything. Right. Like, right. Just do something. Right. 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 Yeah. There's actually, um, a talk that, that I love and, and the speaker equates it to like, if someone's drowning, you don't say like, what can, can I, I do you? to help? <laughs> like you just throw them the dang life preserver. That's right. right. Like you right. just act. You just yeah. pick them up. Well, you just do it. You feel when you're mm-hmm. in it is you don't even know how to help yourself. Right. So even just those bits of mm-hmm. life preservers coming at you is yeah. everything. The only other thing that came to me, I'm just like, is so important is invite, invite, invite. Invite them to be with you and to be around you, even if they keep saying no. Yeah. Because there will be that one day that they say yes and that they feel like coming and if you've stopped inviting because you feel like oh they're never gonna come then that day might happen and then they they aren't invited so just like keep inviting keep reaching out yeah that's really solid advice i think it's important too i mean just back to the seriousness of it all because i was definitely in a suicidal point Mm -hmm. i think asking those hard questions are so important because there are moms who are suicidal and it doesn't end like mine you know there Mm -hmm. are moms who are in that dark of a spot that I think even asking the hard questions might save their life would the hard question be are you having suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. are you thinking of hurting yourself Mm -hmm. do you feel like you could harm your baby are you Mm -hmm. do you feel dark do you feel like yeah suicidal thoughts bringing up the hard words might save them and I think it's super hard and it's awkward sometimes but that might be the lifeline that might be the life preserver Mm -hmm. of like of that relief of oh my gosh someone knows now or someone where you can ask them yeah Yeah, like Mm -hmm. just maybe starting off with how are you really feeling like have you had abnormal thoughts that don't feel like yourself like you can be light about it but yeah don't lead with like so how's it going do you have no (laughs) I, I have something to add to that I think if I'm the one let's say Aubrey, that I'm asking you and I'm concerned and we have a good relationship and it's a safe place. And I ask you and say, Hey, you know, how are you doing really? And then I lead into, are you having suicidal thoughts? If you were to shoot back to me in defense and be like, no, like, no, I need to make sure that I take responsibility to not be embarrassed, right? to not be, to feel shame and that I asked, or like I'm a right. terrible person because I made any assumptions. Yeah. I think the important thing would be I planted that seed. So if maybe you're not ready to talk about it, now you, as no, my friend, I could come back. yes, now mm-hmm. I've established, yeah. I am that safe place for you, Aubrey. Mm-hmm. And so if, and when you're ready to talk about it, if that is a thing that's going on for mm-hmm. you, we're going to be okay. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be that safe place for you. And it's mm-hmm. true because even with this postpartum with this baby, my husband will say, are you having harmful thoughts? Cause I'll have a rough night or something. 
And I'll be like, no, no, you know, but maybe I am, you know, and maybe so then I know next time I can tell him, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think opening that gateway is so important. Yeah, for sure. Guys, this this has been amazing. And I'm just, I'm so thankful. Thank you to both of you. So much value. For coming, for sharing your stories, for the work you do on your podcast and your blog on Instagram, for being open and vulnerable, because I know there are so many people out there that are in a safer and better place today because you guys shared your stories. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please remind everybody where to find you. Yeah. We are on Instagram at the.mamahood. We are on all podcasting apps, um, just the Mamahood podcast. And we are also on Facebook in the Mamahood community on i make her do that on our podcast because yeah. <laughs> she's just good at having it all <laughs> she's good at the rundown <laughs> she's got the rundown yeah, awesome. she's got and as we as we head out of this episode i wanted to let you know that every little background noise you hear is all of the most sweetness oh, that we could have ever imagined I'm sorry. from these no oh, apologies no, no way i want to say that it's an honor to have done this together with you guys but especially because you are really living the story that you're trying to tell and your babies are with you and it's a beautiful (laughs) thing and they they don't even know how good they have it to have moms like you who are willing to speak out and to draw connections from the experiences that you have so thank you girls thank Thank you you. so much we love becky squared (laughs) oh we do the love's right back yes all right you guys thanks for being with us and we'll be with you next week bye-bye Why is, where, at which point did your relationship with Uber Eats get so inappropriate? So it started because of cancer necessity. And then I found. Don't pull the cancer card on this one. It totally was. (laughs) And then I found it was such a delightful service that it has never ended. Well, fine. It's much fine. like a lot of other things much employed during story. cancer that I was like, wait a minute, once a week house cleaners are pretty much the way to go. <laughs> Kids folding your own laundry, also the way to go. We're going to carry some of these things. Oh, my husband got house cleaners for us for my Mother's Day present There we go. Year. That's a good, good one. I was man. like, so you shouldn't have done that, though, because now I need this. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, like like it can't stop. You realize <laughs> that there's no expiration. So on when this. are they coming back? I exactly. Like that girl a lot. We had like a budget negotiation based on house cleaners. Are you looking at food right now? Of course I am. Are you ordering food right now? Maybe. Can no. we just record? Well, we're gonna record. We're gonna be but... fine. We can literally grab a granola bar when we walk across the street and then get real food. This is Cultivate a Good Life episode forty five in the trenches of new motherhood with Aubrey and Marin of the motherhood. Dang it! So close. <laughs> One more time. (laughs) You got this. Okay.